welcome to Spinning Back Click, where each week here at MMA Junkie, we take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On today's episode, John Jones at UFC 300? It was talked about. It ain't happening, though. Conor McGregor at UFC 300 or International Fight Week or the fall of 2024? Eh. Sean Strickland versus Nico went down, and then Sean Strickland had words with Machine Gun Kelly. What? Well, what's going on here? It's been a crazy week. Gorgeous Georgia here on the con and look at the distinguished panel we have for you today to discuss all these topics svc creator goes from mma junkie radio he's in las vegas down in the 305 it's danny segura check out his popular show in espanol hablemos mma and fada hanun is back our international superstar reporter she joins us as well cold coffee is on the ones and twos shout out to him too man he kicked some butt for uh during super bowl week we kind of handed them off to the sports side shout out to cold coffee but before we get started folks with these topics if you could kindly kindly hit that like button you'd help begin my healing process i'm just not right today after my 49ers took a loss in the super bowl yesterday so hit the like and you'll help me start the grieving process all right guys we have a ufc 300 main event update so john jones said he was offered a spot on the card and he turned it down. UFC president Dana White revealed that uh, after a recent power slap event as well. This has been a big struggle, and they are still working on the card. Tickets go on sale February 22nd, so in 10 days. How much pressure do you guys think is mounting at this point? And what's the most realistic choice at this point? Fada, you lead off. It's tough to say because obviously there are things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But based off of the fighters that we're linking, because obviously we think about UFC 300 as a mega event, based off of the fighters that I could think of that could potentially make it, I think of Israel Adesanya. Now, people are linking Adesanya to two fights, either a title shot against Rikus Duplessis or they're mentioning uh, the possibility of him challenging Alex Pejeda, a weight class above for the light heavyweight title. Now, I know Adesanya had mentioned that he was going to take a hiatus after he lost to Sean Strickland, but it seems like he's, I don't know, the one that more likely is game to actually make it to 300. How much has he been training? I don't know, but I think he's he's kind of hinted at it in his Instagram stories and stuff like that. He's got two fights. He is coming off of a loss. I'm very well aware of that, and I know some people think it might not make sense, but storyline-wise, he's got a big story going on with Alex Pejeda. He's got a big story going on with Drake Supesi. So it just seems when you think of mega events selling uh, pay-per-views and, and a big storyline, and Adesanya is a big star, even though he did not uh, put on the best showing against Sean Strickland, credit to Sean Strickland. Uh, at the end of the day, he is a big name. And when you think of UFC 300, I know the UFC are looking for a big name like that. So I think most realistic. Now, I don't know what the UFC are working behind the scenes, but it just seems like Adesanya has two big options. Is Drakus ready? He didn't confirm that. Alex Pejeda, we don't know, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised. Then you've got Leon and Bilal. I know people don't want that as a headliner, but that could be an addition uh, as well to the card. Yeah, you're right. Uh, people are forgetting about it. Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards, it's been talked about. And yeah, I think Israel Adesanya is a valuable option. Danny, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, look, we're asking Jones to be a part of it. That means they're scrambling a little bit because Jones was hurt late last year, I think October-ish. They said he'd be eight, like, out eight to nine months, so that math doesn't really compute. Uh, I know he's doing some tackling drills down in uh, Australia or New Zealand or something like that, so he looks like he's pretty healthy, but I don't know if that's healthy enough for a fight, man. But 
What are your thoughts here, brother? Yeah, this whole thing has been kind of, of a mess, and it's been interesting. Dana White is finally kind of admitting, like, this has been interesting. This has been a, a bit difficult, and there could even be, like, a whole serious shot around the making of this uh, UFC 300 main event. Uh, but before that, it was like, oh, should I announce it? Should I not? Maybe I announce it. It's like as if they had already something in the books, but clearly uh, they don't at this point in time. And if they're asking Jones, yeah, I agree with you. That means they're desperate because clearly John Jones, uh, his injury was pretty bad enough that maybe some people say that he should have relinquished the title. But uh, we, we expect them to come back uh, later this year. So, you know, April just seems to be way, way too soon. Um, honestly, I think the most realistic expectation here is that nothing happens, that the card that we see right now more or less stays the same as far as the big fights, the big draws. I can see them adding some good, interesting fights that could maybe uh, fill in on the main card or be some good prelims card, uh, pre prelim bout, sorry. Uh, but I don't see them pulling off a big, big main event fight at this point in time. I think the card is going to stay the way it is. I think that's the more realistic expectation. Because if we look at what's going on right now, Jones is out. Uh, McGregor, they're saying that he's going to return in fall or later this year. And it just seems like all their... Nate Diaz is not signed to the UFC. It just seems like all their big stars right now are unavailable. Plus, you got UFC 299, which is already stacked. So making a lot more difficult to, to make big fights since they already have a lot of big fights happening there. So, yeah, I just see UFC 300 staying the way it is. And, and look, uh, it might not be the, the mega card that we hope for, but it's still a pretty damn good card, and I'm sure everyone's going to watch. Danny, let me go back to you for a follow-up. Joseph Boza in the chat room. And by the way, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can ask questions, leave comments. Better ones obviously get priority. He asked a good one. He says, is Dana full of it? And sooner rather than later, we'll find out that it's Connor in the main event. So, again, could that Jones thing just be putting pressure on McGregor, you think? Or do you think that's how serious Connor's not at UFC 300, that they're already going to Jones and moving to, you know, other options? Yeah, I, I think I think that could be part of it. I, I think there could be some negotiations in play. But if you're going to announce a Conor McGregor fight, you want to do that with as much as an anticipation as possible. Because any tweet about the date, any uh, Instagram post about the date is going to promote it greatly, given that McGregor is obviously such a huge star. Um, so that, that could be a possibility. But I, I think they just look at UFC 300 and, and say, look, we can make some... Uh, a good buck here just because it's 300 plus it's already a stacked card uh it's probably one of the best cards we've seen period in recent times and you can also get a conor mcgregor return down the line so ufc 300 just the the name alone will sell itself so why put mcgregor on there and kind of put all your eggs in one basket when you can make you know a couple of baskets and, and maybe make uh, a little bit more so is it possible? Sure. But I, I see it highly unlikely. Again, I think UFC 300 is more or less going to stay the way it is. Eric Pace in the chat room says, you do understand that this event is two to three months away. It's actually two because it's, I think, April 13th. So it's February 12th. It's two months. But then there's a point here being made by Joseph Boza. Again, shout out to that guy. This bump. He says, look, on Monday, the following Monday, I believe tickets are going to go sale on sale to uh, Fight Club members. I mean, this is a serious thing. Like, if you live in Nevada, that's a four hundred dollar flight. You know, if you you know if you live in Ireland, I think you want to plan your holiday. If this does revolve around McGregor, Eric Pace, I feel you, man. I'm a spontaneous dude, last moment guy. It doesn't bother me as much. But the, there are other people that are planners, and they want to know. 
am I getting a hotel, you know, where I want? Am I going to spend the money? But are the fighters that I like going to be on the card? So that's why we cover it all here on Spinning Back Click every Monday live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Please hit that like button, though. More of those. Those. What are your thoughts here, man? What's the most realistic choice for UFC 300 at this point, knowing all that info that's dropping? Man, the whole situation has just been crazy. Like it's been a roller coaster for everyone, for fans, media, all kinds of people. But I'm kind of with Danny here, um, in the sense that I'm not one of these guys that's like really marching with a pitchfork and torches and all that. Like I feel like we have a, a pretty decent card. It's pretty good, but it's that feeling that Dana White has given us that something spectacular is coming, and he's been so vocal about it that it kind of makes you feel like you're missing out, even though you have realistically a pretty damn good card. So, um, you know, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got fights that matter. It's got fun fights. And, and we did have that one sort of surprise with with Kayla Harrison. But we're just left wondering what 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 could we have gotten? What is it that they were planning that just kind of fell through the cracks? That hurts a little bit. If I, if I had to pin it down to somebody, I think it's probably Israel Adesanya related. I love Pereira, but if you put him on there, I just don't know that it makes everybody go, ah, okay, that's what they've been trying to do. Uh, doesn't really fit. DDP would be nice, and I think it would fit perfectly. The only problem is he just looks so banged up coming out of that fight that even if you told me, hey, he's good, uh, I just don't feel like we would get a really true representation of really both of those guys. Because you have to remember, at the same time, Israel Adesanya, he wanted to walk away from the game and just be away. And uh, it just has one of those feelings where like, if you just give somebody enough money, they'll come out and fight. And that's great, but at the end of the day, like we do want to know who is the better fighter. And I do want to know, is it, is it going to be 100% DDP? Is it going to be 100% um, Israel Adesanya? I'd probably rather have that than to just kind of squeeze somebody in just to make the card that much better. Because it, you know, it, it is a pretty good paper. And plus, like, haven't we all talked about how big that fight could possibly be in Africa, right? Like, like Danny was saying about all the eggs in one basket. I think maybe you just want to spread it out. I, they might just have to take the loss here unless they can come up with something outrageous at the end. We saw David Feldman met with them, right? I mean, what if you just, he's not signed Nate Diaz, but what if you just grab him and say, here's a ton of money. Uh, and you tell D, and you tell David Feldman, man, you know what? Give us Mike Perry. Let's just put chaos on there. Something like that. But honestly, this is that's a, not a main event though, right? You're not saying that's a main event. No, just to kind of feed that card and, and okay. get us all to, to to shut up a little bit. But at the end of the day, man, like you don't have to pay more for this card. It's pretty good. And I think they just have to cut their losses. I don't see anything Nate, else really coming. Nate Diaz versus Mike Perry would be just fun. I'll take that yeah. at this point. Chaos. Um, Guys, where's the perfect? I just need one of you to chime in. We'll, t- we'll take Fada on this one. Let's just say something's cooking this week. Should Dana White do that thing where he just lets it go, matchmaker meeting, or, or I don't know, or, or do you do you like it when it's UFC 297 and boom, it drops there? I think those are dope. That's kind of old school. What, what do you prefer? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a random video announcement, but it would be cool if they did uh, announce it on UFC 298. And I know. Danny and Goz are talking about the card maybe just staying intact. That would make life easier. But knowing the way Dana kind of thinks and functions, I feel like he absolutely wants to make something happen. And don't forget, UFC 200, we saw DC and Anderson Silva. So we could come up with, we could end up with something completely random at a left field that could involve a bigger name. What? I don't know. We've talked about a lot of the scenarios, but I do feel like something is going to be added. And I 
as you know, Leon and Bilal is a fight that should be added regardless. But I think we're going to get something out of left field. Uh, what is it exactly? I don't know if it's not one of these like title fights or big fights. It could be uh, just something that surprises everybody. I don't think they're going to let it go. I don't think the UFC are just going to let it go and have it out as it is. That's just my uh, personal feeling. All right. Just like I said, we are seeing you on Facebook. Shout out to Alex Bills. Uh, Quay Stefan says, I think the UFC dropped the ball for UFC 300 by splitting up the fight announcements. Uh, Sky Vizen El Daddy says, uh, I think stacking 299 takes a bit away from 300. Jamaican Lone Animal says, Izzy, <laughs> Izzy's not going back up without taking his belt back. Hmm, interesting. But he would be going for a belt if he fought Pajeda, and he wouldn't have to drop down to 185, although that, I've never seen that as a problem. But we're going to move on, all right? We're going to move on. The aforementioned Conor McGregor. Let's talk about him. So Dana White says McGregor's return is not even going to happen until the fall. He said that on the Pat McAfee show during Super Bowl week. Uh, so that clashes with McGregor's announcement that he'd be back on the 29th. Remember the wine? <laughs> all that, the devilish laugh. What's going on here? Who's to blame for this mess? Is it just negotiation in the public, like we mentioned uh, in topic one with Jones and all that? Or will we get McGregor on June 29th, which is International Fight Week, or maybe even that long shot, UFC 300, Danny? Yeah, who the hell knows what's happening? We It seems like, you know, McGregor is... If it was up to him. He'd return tomorrow, and the UFC and Dana White are more like, oh, we don't know. We'll see. Something's going on. I don't know what is, but something's going on, and it's quite surprising because you would think that the UFC would want to do anything and everything possible to make a Conor McGregor return happen, given that he's easily their biggest star and, and their biggest draw. And he is get, getting older. He's up there in age. I believe he's like 35 or so, and given the amount of money that he's made, I don't imagine him having a, a lengthy career. I don't think he's going to be like Jim Miller and fight for five more years and log in a bunch of fights. So you want to use that as uh, and utilize his time as as, as effectively as possible. And, and I don't think that's being done, clearly. Um, look, at this point, given the sentiment that I've seen from the fan base regarding the USADA and the six months and all that, I don't feel like a lot of people care about it. Chandler doesn't care about it. Um, just make it happen. Have him return. Have him fight Chandler. I think I'm pretty tired at this point of discussing this over and over and over again. But again, um, it, we don't know what's going on. Is it a UFC issue? Is it a Conor McGregor issue? We don't know. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Goes, what do you think, man? What is going on here? Dude, the fall? Are you kidding me? That That's over two years. It's now pushing two and a half. Yeah, man. This situation has just been an overall crap fest, but... You know, it could be a little bit of everything, right? Negotiations. I think some of it is mind games, too, for his opponent, Michael Chandler. I think he just kind of likes to keep his name out there and be relevant because at the end of the day, Conor McGregor hasn't fought in forever, you guys. And this is a guy, like, in this sport, there are huge egos, man. If you look at just this week, right? Like, look at Power Slap and some of the celebrities that were there, the Super Bowl being in town. Like, you saw the pressure that that probably puts on Dana White. Imagine Conor McGregor. You know, he was one of the biggest uh, storylines in sports. He was on the Forbes list. And you look at the landscape of sports right now, you're just getting passed up, right? Like, you look at Patrick Mahomes. He just won another Super Bowl, right? Sorry, George. Um, you can't say the Super Bowl without saying Taylor Swift. Otani signed a massive deal. 
the NFL draft is coming up. Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe, and never stop talking about them. And in combat sports, look at Francis Ngannou, what he did in boxing and the PFL and Bellator. Like, I think he's just kind of noticing that little by little, his name just doesn't mean as much anymore. So he, he puts out things on social media to kind of keep it out there. But, you know, like Danny just said, like, it's kind of just getting old. We, we just want to see something at this point. The UFC, yeah. you can't complain. You You created this monster. Right. And they kind of go back and forth in this way. But what we've seen in the past is at the end of the day, they just kind of end up with some sort of happy ending. Everybody's happy. The fans are happy. The UFC makes money. Conor McGregor makes money. But boy, are we, we just feel like we're so far away from those days. And when we finally get this guy back, let's just say today that fight assigned, we still have to hope for them to make it through the camp, get to the fight. And then you want to see a little bit of what we were used to seeing from both of these guys. They're a little bit older now. Hopefully that fight is entertaining, but it just feels like forever before we ever get back to this. Goes, you think it's the fall international fight week or 300? If you had to pick one right now, I gave you a hundred bucks and you could just bet one of those three, which one would you bet it? The fall. Yeah, me too. It looks like it. I don't know. You know, I was wrong. It's actually gonna be three and a half years if he fights in the fall of 2024. That is yeah. just sad, man. Uh, I mean, if his leg ain't ready to go, I get that. But that's never seemed to have been the, the deal as of late. Fada, what do you think here? What, what It is messy, man, with McGregor. When he said the fall, it, it, I think it blew a lot of people away. Yeah, I think at this point, like, nobody knows. It's just going to be a matter of postponing. The fact that we're even throwing names like Nate Diaz as a possible opponent for Conor's return and it's not, like, 100% cemented Michael Chandler is part of the problem. It just kind of shows that there are so many unknowns. And what is really going on, I have no idea. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being June 29. I know uh, Dana mentioned the fall, but it's like nobody's really clarifying what the exact holdup is because Connor was making it seem like he was being kept out of his livelihood and he wants to compete and he's ready to go. So if he's ready to go, why not USC 300, right? So what is really happening? I have no idea. It just kind of, it, judging just by the comment section we're seeing here uh, in this video, it seems like people are, are kind of tired of, of waiting. And, you know, I mean, when they finally announce it, when he's finally going to compete, people are going to watch. Let's be real. But it just feels like people are tired of hearing about this because we've been hearing about it for years. Ultimate Fighter seems like ages ago, and they filmed it even way before it got aired. So I have no idea what's going on. Uh, but I, if I'm going to take a guess, I don't gamble. But if I'm going to take a guess, I would say if, I wouldn't be surprised if it was June 29. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, this is for any of you. If, if Chandler were to just go, okay, my mindset on the fact that I'm still fighting McGregor in the fall... But you know what? I'm ready to go right now. Who would you give him now and then allow him to still fight McGregor if that fight could still be preserved? Is there a name out there right now that you would tell Chandler, go fight that guy, man. Stay busy. Anybody? All right. No, uh, no. Uh, first of all, how do you even get up for anything after being told you're going to fight Conor McGregor? So that's going to be very tough for him because if you look at Ooh. kind of the, the big names in the division, he's kind of already fought them. Uh, he's fought Dustin Poirier. He's fought Justin Gaethje. I mean, those are the fights that would have gotten people excited. Even if you look down, he's not going to want to fight someone way down in the rankings. Granted, I know he's not on an eight-fight winning streak or anything like that. But the highest-ranked guy that I could think of that could excite him would be maybe Fiziev. But didn't they train together uh, in Florida? I don't even know if he'd fight him. You could think maybe Benil Dariush. He's already fought Dan Hooker, who's got a 
one of the more notable names in the division when you go down the ranking. So I don't even know. He's fought Charles Oliveira already. I just don't even know where Chandler would go. Um, unless you're talking about maybe Max Holloway, if he sticks around in lightweight, whether he loses or beats uh, Justin Gaethje. I don't know. But it just seems very hard for me to imagine Michael Chandler getting up for anything after being told he's going to fight Conor McGregor and after waiting for that long. It's true. It's just that these fighters, man, when they take these long time, these periods of time that are long, they, they really don't look that sharp when they come back. Some do. I get it. Dominic Cruz will always say there's no such thing as ring, but some really look off. Chandler's starting to creep up in that territory. I still want him to fight McGregor at some point, but enough's enough. Um, yeah. and you, you come up with the name goes, you, you think of one? Um, I, I, I like the Dariush one. I, I like that name. As soon as she said it, it kind of clicked. I go, yeah, Dariush was just on that win streak that Danny talked about her father. Someone said eight fights. He was on something like that, got derailed, but he still has a little name value out there. I just feel like um, when somebody promises you steak and something else shows up, it just doesn't feel right. So if, I, if I'm Michael Chandler, I know this is the name I already brought up. He's not signed to the UFC, but I play a few games with, with uh, Conor McGregor and I, I try and take one of his legs out and I say, you know what? How about Nate Diaz? He doesn't want to fight Nate Diaz. He doesn't want to fight me. I'll fight him. And I think that's a fight where you have a guy that hasn't fought in a while in mixed martial arts. It's, yeah. uh, you know, they'll stand that's and bang with idea. you. When things don't go your way, you can take them down. And I, I would try and do something like that. It'd still give you a lot of money, not Conor McGregor money, but it'd probably still generate a lot of money. And I'd probably do that and see if I can't get in Conor's head a little bit. That's actually not a bad idea, Ghost. I don't know why I've. We've always thrown out Poirier versus Nate Diaz, and I've always been warm to that one because they got a little bit of heat. I'm happy with the Sandin, Benoit Sandini matchup for Poirier, so we'll leave that alone. But, yeah, him versus Nate Diaz. You got one, Danny, or move on? I was going to say, like, either RDA or Mo Moicano. I think mm -hmm. those guys make sense. Yeah, Money Moicano. I like that one. He's been cracking me up lately. All right. Uh, let's move on here, man. <laughs> I, I kind of feel the chat. It does get a little nauseating, man, but he is a huge polarizing figure in our sport. That's why we hit it. All right. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. A UFC champion as the underdog in a title fight. The Alexander Volkanovsky Ilya Tapura fight is close to a pick'em right now. Some are even at pick'em. Uh, by week's end, it's conceivable Tapuria could even close as a favorite because that's the way it's been trending. When champs are underdogs, they historically have done pretty well, which bodes well for Volkanovski. But Volk has been solidly favored as champion most times, unless it's been against the Islam Makashev uh, pairing, you know, the two fights that he had there. So why is there a slip all of a sudden here? Panel, is Tapoya just that good? Am I missing something here, Goes? Yeah, I think Tapoya is that good. I mean, confidence-wise, he's sky high. He, he can threaten you anywhere where the fight goes. He can do a lot of things that Volkanovski can do, and he doesn't have the the wear and tear that Volk has, right? So um, this fight for me is probably the most compelling fight coming up here in the next few pay-per-views. Like, I really want to see it, and it makes sense that the, the odds are getting that close. Um, but, you know, if he, if he gets past Volkanovski, I mean, this dude can really, really go on a run. Like, if you, if you honestly put yourself, if you're a longtime featherweight, put yourself in this situation, like, you had to deal with Max Holloway for so long. You finally get that fool out of the way. And here comes Volkanovski, and he's ruling the division. And now possibly you got this beast coming. Like, 
Ilya Tapura is no joke, man. And, and, and he could really, really put on a show. On the Volkanovsky side, we have questions. You know, the, the one thing that I've always been ever able to say about Alexander Volkanovsky is the guy gives you an honest training camp. You know what you're going to get. He's always training. And now with these comments that he kind of put out, it kind of makes you wonder about that, right? Like, is, is it that easy to just kind of flip the script and say, well, I shouldn't have been doing that. Now I'm going to do this. Uh, that's not always so easy, especially when it comes to alcohol, right? So, um, but the thing with with Volkanovski is like he's just always shown us that he's hungry, man. I think he is going to make the adjustments. And you know, sorry, George, to bring up the Super Bowl again, but when there's two minutes left, you want the best guy out there. You want him running the show. And Alexander Volkanovski's kind of been that guy in his career. Um, this is kind of his his Super Bowl, right? Like he's been in these situations, these high pressure situations. He has the experience. So at the end of the day, I'm kind of leaning Volkanovski, but man, Tapuria, that dude, uh, he's a monster. And I think he could maybe possibly come in, not just take this fight, but maybe go on a run afterwards. Goes that's three times you've mentioned the Super Bowl, man. You're stabbing right. me in the heart each time you say it. All right. Fada, what are your thoughts here? What is going on that the odds are evening things out? I mean, arguably, Volk is the greatest featherweight of all time. We say that Aldo's the greatest featherweight champion of all time, but Volk's even closing in on that one. What's going on here? Well, I think, you know, Dustin Poirier was asked that question when uh, asked if what he thinks about being an underdog against Benoit Saint-Denis. And he said, you know, Benoit is on a winning streak. I'm coming off of a knockout loss. So he gets it. So I think this is similar to that. You've got a young, uh, hungry, very talented uh, Ilya Teporia who's oozing confidence, throwing things out there, saying like Volkanovski is going to be one of the easier fights of his career. He's talking about uh, selling out the Santiago Bernabeu. Like he, he is, you know, he's doing all the right things promo-wise, and it's reminding a lot of people of, of Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. So when you combine his confidence and how he's looked, and he did go five rounds with Josh Emmett and looked dominant there. So if anyone was kind of wondering if he could go the 25 minutes championship rounds, he showed us he could do it uh, against a very dangerous Josh Emmett. And then you've got Volkanovski, who's uh, coming off of a knockout loss, did open up a lot. He's, he, you know, he spoke about his mental state, which a lot of people... Uh, kind of questioned and looked at his weakness. You know, he was um, giving us a part of an athlete's life that we don't tend to hear. And obviously a lot of people took it and started to question his mindset. But I, Volkanovski's always said, give me a guy, a, a clear cut contender. He said it before kind of every interview leading into his fight. He wants a clear cut contender. He does see Ilya as that guy. So he's 100% taking him serious. He knows how dangerous he is, but he's Wants to humble him. He wants to show him that there are levels to this. But Ilya Teporia is extremely talented. He's very well-rounded. Burst into the scene as a very good grappler, very good submission guy. And then I covered his final fight before he got signed to the UFC where he scored his first career knockout, big overhand right knockout, and started falling in love with his boxing and showed us how good of a striker he is. Not just a guy that has power, but also a technical boxer. I know he doesn't really kick too much. Uh, so I understand why the odds are, are close. Tuporia is extremely talented, but I do believe a lot of people are counting Volkanovski out. Um, he is uh, still very damn good, still hasn't lost a featherweight in the UFC. Mm -hmm. All right, Danny, what are your thoughts here, man? Uh, I know you, you know, you big believer in Tuporia's skills, and I'll, I'll really be reveal we spoke a little bit. You feel like this might be a passing of the torch time? What do you think, man? You think that? Why are the odds, though? The odds usually favor the champ. Yeah, yeah. 
I just want to make a, a quick parenthesis here. Renato Moicano is actually watching live in the chat. He's down to fight Michael Chandler, my suggestion. So we got one side verbally agreed, uh, but he does believe that Chandler is eventually going to fight Conor McGregor. We'll see. I, I have some doubt given that it's been such a long time and we haven't seen that fight happen, but eh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, Moicano knows what's up. Obviously, uh, knows where the good content's at, so he's he's out here tuning in to spinning back. Like, uh, anyways, parentheses closed. Back to Ilya Tapuria versus uh, Volkanovski. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think the the odds very much reflect how I'm feeling. I think this is a 50-50 fight, and I've been calling it for a while. Ilya Tapuria is going to fight for a UFC championship belt, and he's going to be champion. That I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be champion of the UFC. However, will it be this time around? I don't know. He is 26, so I think by the time he is 30, he's going to have that championship status next to his name. But I don't know if this is going to be the one because he's fighting Volkanovski. That's probably the second toughest fight that you can get in the sport. I think the first one's Makashev. And obviously, uh, that's going to make things a little bit tricky. But keep in mind that Volkanovski is 35 years old, turning 36 this year. We've seen a lot of champions around that age lose their titles. He is one and two in 2023 and one of those losses uh came via knockout which was his recent one and then we hear comments about his mental health which are all obviously very unfortunate that he was drinking every day and all these stuff that he himself is saying that is very out of character so you wonder where is his mind at the age the losses the mentality and all that contributes to making this fight a lot more even but even even if you just put that to a side you got to highlight Ilya Topuria himself he is easily the most versatile guy that uh, Volkanovski has faced as a champion. I know that, you know, Max Holloway's out there, Jair, and there's very good fighters that he's fought, of course. But in terms of adding all the abilities together, Topuria is, is, is the best of them all. Topuria is a, a jiu-jitsu black belt. He's got a great submission game, great takedowns, great boxing, power, cardio, fight IQ. I mean, if you just add all the points, all the tallies from the skill points, he is definitely the most versatile, most well-rounded guy Volkanovski has ever fought as a champion. So um, yeah, this fight's a pick em and it everything points out that this is going to be a passing of the torch. So right now I'm going with Ilya Topuria, but tomorrow I may change my pick. I don't know. This is a very, very close fight, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Volkanovski loses his belt on Saturday. Wow. All right. Girls, let me ask you something. Alexander Volkanovsky has a lot of questions around him going into UFC 298, but he does seem to be embracing them, right? He did the promo about him being too old. That was pretty amazing. The comments about the daily drinking, he put it out there. Those were before the Makashev rematch. Um, do you think Volk casually just found a way to, A, bring the betting line down? I'm not saying he would bet on himself. Maybe his homies would. That's legal. Just the camp, the coaches, and he can't. Uh, or... In a way, has he shoved a lot of pressure on Teporia? I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think he just likes to have fun. I think that's why he put put, that, put out that video. It was a lot of fun. And as far as the drinking goes, like, he's been one of those guys that's just always been very honest with his career, with the people. We saw him on, on Tough. He's a very honest dude. And uh, it's kind of brave to put yourself out there in that sense and, and tell people these types of things. But at the end of the day, like – if you look at his overall career, it's a guy that's kind of done it right. Uh, I've disagreed with maybe him taking that last fight, but really when you look at a, a loss to one of the pound for pound greats like that, Makashev, it's nothing to look down on. Uh, this is a guy that's figured out how to make things work. And I think he's going to make adjustments and I think he'll, he'll come back. But uh, I, I, 
I think the odds, like despite him doing all that stuff, they kind of make sense, man. Ilya Tapur is that good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see, man. Uh, like I say, this I, I like that he's kind of being honest and forthcoming and all that, but I think he just ingeniously found a way to just kind of like put a little bit more pressure on Tapur. That's just my take. I, I'm still going to ride with Volkanovski, man. That guy shut me up so many times. I've gone against him on staff picks gambling and yeah i learned my lesson a long time ago of course it bit me in the ass against makashev but what are you gonna do all right uh yeah hanato moikano shout out to you i remember you came to our studio at mandalay bay with your manager alex davis and we would love to have you here on spinning back click i think he's in brazil too caught his show the other day with the mma guru so shout out to Money Moicano. We got to move on though here to number four. We still got what thirty minutes left in the show. Money Moicano. Let's see. If we hear from you. Continuing on with the UFC two ninety eight talk. All right, guys. I know that the caption says we're looking for the gems, right? We'll get to that in just a second. That was my bad little mix up there. First, I want to know who's going to steal the show because we got some three badass fights: Whitaker versus Costa, Neil versus Gary, Davalashvili versus Cejudo. You know that the UFC is going to stack up the. Uh, security a little bit right so i want to know between hotel antics the pre-fight press conference and the fight itself which one of those steals the show fada you go first okay so in terms of uh kind of the the build-up and whatnot i think ian gary and jeff neal granted we're not seeing anything crazy right now i know gary's been throwing these little videos uh out there uh, Jeff Neal's done a bit of media, but I do believe once we land in, in fight week, press conference, whatnot, because don't forget, I mean, before Ian Gary's last fight got scrapped, a lot of people were just waiting for him to show up uh, to the press conference, of course, because Alexa, Sean Strickland and stuff were going to be there. But just there's been so many headlines, negative headlines surrounded surrounding Ian Gary. And he's a very talented fighter. He's a, a, a rising contender that has championship potential. And I think that gets overshadowed because of everything that's been going on around him. So regardless, love him, hate him, want to see him lose. He's a talented fighter. He's uh, climbing up the ranks and he has some serious potential. And all those negative headlines that come uh, with him draws intrigue. And Jeff Neal, on the other hand, don't forget, he's got a win over uh, supposedly the current title challenger, uh, Bilal Muhammad. at least I hope he's the current title challenger, but he's got some big wins on his resume. I know he's kind of been inconsistent and that's been his biggest problem, but Jeff Neal has a lot of power and he's a serious test for Ian Gary. So I definitely am excited about this matchup and everything that comes with it. In terms of uh, under the radar, I'm going to go with Anthony Hernandez and Roman Kopilov. I think when people look at uh, the middleweight division and hence the example of Joe Piper getting the main event, I feel like a lot of people think that there isn't too many rising talent at middleweight and people forget about Anthony Hernandez. I mean, he's on a nice four fight winning streak, most recently finishing Edmund Shabazian. Roman Kopilov is on a nice four fight winning streak. And I think that's why they landed in the pay-per-view main card opener. So I think that's a fun matchup. I mean, Kopilov, weird kind of start to his UFC career. I think lost his first two didn't look like a fighter that anyone would have really cared to watch. No offense to him. And now he's put together a four-fight winning streak all by knockout. So I think these guys both fly under the radar. And I think it's going to be a, a very fun matchup with Hernandez's uh, kind of his grappling. And then uh, Kopilov's knockout power. So I think that's kind of like the underrated one for me. I love it. All right. Yep. Shout out to Fluffy Hernandez. Uh, this is a guy who, by the way, watches no MMA. He's like Cerrone. I don't know if back in the day you guys ever heard. Cerrone didn't really follow the sport. He just fought. He showed up. You need a guy, 
holler, right? Fluffy's exactly just like him, but he's a cool cat. We came to the studio once. Um, Danny, how about you, man? Who steals the show? Fight antics, fight week antics, pre-fight press conference, and the fight itself. Mix that all in the blender. Which one of these three matchups I mentioned steals the show? And then if you got a gem, share it. I have to agree with Farah. I'm going to go with Jeff Neal versus uh, Ian Machado Gary. I think that one's going to carry the most attention. And, and look, both these guys are, are very talented. But, um, you know, she she broke it down perfectly as to why this fight is, is so intriguing, both in and out of the cage. But I'm going to highlight Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa because I think this is a fantastic fight. And it might not be getting the love that it should, given the noise around the other matchups. But this is a great fight and a pivotal one for both guys. I mean, Paulo Costa has always lingered as a kind of top contender, but then he's also this meme lord, super funny guy, fan favorite. Can he kind of turn the corner out of that and, and become, uh, I guess, a little bit more than a personality and more of a, a threat to the title? I think he can, but that's he has to beat Robert Whitaker in order to do that. And for Robert Whitaker, for the longest time, he was the uncrowned champion. He was the, the guy that... Uh, the Max Holloway of the middleweight division, pretty much. But then we saw him against uh, Drickus Duplessis, and then he lost, something that we've never seen before. He's always lost is in championship fights, not against other contenders. Um, so this is a pivotal fight for both guys, huge fight in the middleweight division. I think the winner here is going to get close to a title shot, probably. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this fight shakes out. Striking-wise, it should be a very intriguing fight. Who are you turning in on staff picks, Danny? Oh, um, Secret Juice or Whitaker? I did not like Whitaker's last performance, not even one bit. But part of me thinks that's probably uh, an anomaly. Uh, my heart he said, he, he, he said he would win nine out of ten times. I, I think he went a bit far there when he talked about the maybe. TV maybe fight. it's true. I mean, Whitaker's a really, really good fighter. Good. I, I'm good. gonna go with Whitaker, but I don't know. I think the Secret Juice might be might be enough. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dan, uh, sorry, goes. Uh, I need one from you, man. Who's going to yeah. steal the show when you mix in fight week antics, the press fight, pre fight press conference, and the fight itself? Uh, look, I think Marab Devalishvili and Henry Cejudo look on paper. Those are two amazing fighters, right? Henry Cejudo is a guy that. Uh, not, not only has done great things in mixed martial arts, but he's one of the goats in combat sports overall, right? An Olympic level caliber athlete. Um, aside from the fight itself, like they have nonstop personality. They're so funny. They're so good at, at uh, keeping us entertained outside of the cage. So uh, you mix what's going to happen outside of the cage with what could happen inside the cage. It's one of those fights that makes you feel like you wish it was almost five rounds because they're that good and they're that skilled. And they both make pretty good adjustments during the fights. Uh, to Marab Devalishvili's big moment here, right? This is what he's been asking for. Aljamain Sterling's out of the way. It's his moment to kind of shine and, and really threaten for that title. And for Henry, it's do or die, right? Like Henry Cejudo, I said this last week, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would just stick around just to fight. If he doesn't think he can be the best in the world, I think it's probably time for him to say goodbye. And, uh, this fight just seems to have so much on the line that I can't wait to see it. It's a really a coin flip for me, man. But I think right now, I think I might be leaning Henry. You got a gem for us, guys? Uh, you know that Maverick Angela, uh, Miranda Maverick Angela Lee fight. I think mm -hmm. I think that might be fun. That seems mm -hmm. like it could be something pretty good. 
Somebody in the chat room was sharing that one as well as their uh, possible gem. Frozen like Elsa says, Costa's going to steal the show when he pulls out. Hey, don't jinx it, man. This is a great matchup. We need this matchup to happen. Don't say that, Frozen like Elsa. Sorry, I, I just say it, right? But, uh, yeah, it was Joseph Boza. He says his hidden gem is Andrea Lee versus Miranda Maverick. Uh, let's see here. Frozen like Elsa says Gary's wife's husband throws in the towel as he gets mounted and TKO'd. Hey, listen, you got to have thick skin in this sport, and that includes us. So the chat room will get a little out of line every once in a while. As long as they don't cross that line, I'll read off some of these funny jokes out there. But Gary, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on there with the, the controversial wife manager. I think the, the press conference is going to be popping. Of course, he likes to give it back. So maybe he's got some of that thick skin as well. But it's definitely going to be an interesting fight week. Uh, Fada, you want to chime in? Yeah, someone corrected me. I didn't mean Sean Strickland. I meant Colby Covington at the UFC 296 press conference with uh, Gary Nostrum. He's just—he's he, got weird storylines with everybody that, that I got confused because I know he's been uh, kind of going back and forth with Strickland as well. But yeah, it was Colby Covington that people were kind of like looking forward to seeing what was going to happen there. But regardless, like you were saying, yeah, there's uh, just a lot of uh, intrigue surrounding Gary because he is a very good fighter as well. And I think that's being completely overshadowed. Yeah, no doubt. Danny, you're kind of laughing over there. You got gas or you got something funny to share? <laughs> just like you're reading the comments. I was just dying. I'm trying to stay composed <laughs> here. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole Gary thing, if we're going to address it, like it's um, I'm laughing and I know it, like it's gone into territories that are not funny because obviously he feels uh, threatened or like for at least the safety of his family. Um, and that's obviously, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody or or the amount of hate that he's been getting. Uh, but it's just quite appalling to see how unanimous it's been. Like even uh, Covington, as Farrah mentioned, uh, Covington has a ton of fans. Um, so does Strickland and all these like kind of fringe hated characters or, or heels or, or bad guys are perceived as that. A lot of them have big fan bases as well. On the on terms of Ian Gary, like I, I just don't see anybody out there, you know, trying to defend him and trying to kind of back him, which is unfortunate because he is a very very good fighter. Um, but if, if I could give him any advice, and I know it's kind of a, a, a you know a very specific topic, but I'm not saying lean on it, but like I feel like sometimes he takes it too seriously, and that just makes matters even even worse, right? Like if you look at like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, like um, he he got called the pedophile, I think by um, by who was it? Was it Covington, Covington or something? Yeah, yeah, and he just laughed it off, and and, and that you know yeah. that just slid right off, right? If he were to kind of fight it. Um, I'm sure that would stick and then maybe it would become a meme or something as, unfor as unfortunate as that would be. But um, uh, yeah, he's a great fighter, probably going to fight for a title at some point in, in the near future and probably champion. I mean, he's, he's a quality fighter. And he's also opened floodgates himself with that T-shirt uh, yes. for Jeff Neal. Correct. And then he really viciously went after uh, Neil Magny where it didn't really seem like there was, you know, I'm going to take him in the woodshed and spank him like my redheaded stepchild and all of a sudden he blew that up so yeah he needs to be prepared to take it if he's gonna dish it um you want to say something far yeah i'm gonna take um money moicano's question he's saying or more like a statement saying ian gary can't uh afford to lose so maybe i'll throw it a, a goes like what do you guys think like is a lot riding on him for this particular fight against jeff neal yeah i think a lot is riding on him i, I agree with that statement it, a loss here would just absolutely kind of he was so far up here with people talking about him and, and all the controversies and all that. You have to be able to back it up. You know, when you're going to talk that much, you have to back it up in the cage. And the second 
uh, doesn't work out for you, man. Your stock just starts to drop because there's it's a card every week, you guys. Every week there's a different card. There's different fighters uh, that you want to watch for different reasons, and uh, you got to keep our attention. And for him, making that much noise and to come out and lose, especially kind of depends on the way he loses too. Um, it, it just wouldn't be. I wouldn't say it's something he can't come back from, but he definitely lose a lot of stock. I think there's just something shiny about that. Oh, and it's yet to go for Ian Gary. So when you're undefeated, you kind of walk on water a little bit. So yeah, someone gets you and they kind of take your legs out for a bit. And then you get humbled and you come back to reality. All the greats have taken an L along the way with the exception of Habib, right? I mean, there's some that are still in the process. Ilya Taporia, Shafkat Rekmanov, uh, probably a few others that I'm missing. But still, now when you get to that championship level, you win, you defend, hanging on to that to that O oh, in the loss column, that is difficult. But if you can maintain it and still talk some trash and whoop some ass, it's huge. And then if not, you do get sent back to the pack. And then guess what? That next fight has a lot of pressure because what if you lose two in a row? Oh, he was all hype. So it's going to be interesting, man. I'm really, really fired up about the, the card. You three are getting me really fired up. The chat room is blowing up. If you just joined the show, Please hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We do this every week, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I already know. We haven't even asked. But Money Moicano is going to be a guest panelist one week. He's hanging with us in the uh, in the uh, chat room here. We move on, though. We move on. Um, it's John Strickland. He stole headlines on Friday. First for beating up popular streamer Sneeko in their sparring session at the UFC PI. Old Forrest Griffin had to pull him away because apparently the the white towel, five of them, I think, flew into the, the octagon. That didn't stop Strickland. So a day later, he approached uh, aggressively musical artist Machine Gun Kelly at, at the power slap. Dana White seemed rather fed up, fed up, I don't know, fed up with Strickland when asked about him at the power slap presser. Where do you guys think this is heading, Danny? Yeah, nowhere really. Um, I, I don't think this is that big of a deal. And yeah, Dana said a few comments like, you know, you can't really have Strickland around human beings in general. And and if you just read the comments, like on a story, and this is why sometimes the context of, of, of the tone is important and why I invite people to not only read it, but also to, especially if it comes from a video, to look at the video itself. Um, you know, he, he I feel like Dana kind of likes to play this role when it comes to Strickland of like, you know, kind of like a, a fatherly role and all oh, rolling his eyes and oh what what you know again this guy but i don't think he minds it to be honest i i think if 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 he did he would have addressed it privately and we would have seen a change right um clearly he's we know his stance on on, on free speech and, and policing um fighters comments um i don't think nothing's gonna happen from it uh sean strickland is gonna keep getting into these situations and as long as something legal doesn't happen uh, I think, you know, everything's going to march uh, normally. So, um, yeah, I don't really read too much into them. Strickland being Strickland. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of expected this. You throw Strickland around a bunch of influencers, people that made themselves famous from saying Chupapi Muñeño and like all this stupid shit, to be honest, is, is dumb. It, look, I don't agree with Strickland on a lot of stuff, but if something I agree on with him, it's on on kind of like the influencer culture and, and, and hating on that, to be honest. Um, look at the type of access like the promotion is is, is giving right to certain uh, people rather than than other people that could probably do real work. Um, so anyways, um, I agree with them. Like, yeah, like 
you, you put a bunch of influencers, you know, in front of them and, and people just trying to do hype stuff and things for the web and clips and all that, like, you know, you're going to get some stupid comments. So, um, yeah, I just think it's business as usual. Dude, I'm so out of the loop. I don't even know who Sneeko is, but I did see the video. Uh, Ghost, what, what do you think, man? Uh, is there really anything here? Like, is Strickland in any sort of trouble? Is he getting on Dana White's first nerve? He's not on his last nerve, but on his first nerve? I don't know. I, You know, I think as long as he's making the company money, they're just going to look the other way. Uh, the Sneeko thing, I don't really get it. I mean, there's nothing really to prove on either side. Sean went a little hard on him, but that's Sean Strickland. I mean, what do you expect, right? You can't feel sorry for Sneeko. You walk into the lion's den, you can't expect them not to maul you, right? That's going <laughs> to happen. Like, uh, so there's no there's no shock there. I do have to give him props for hanging around as long as he did. Like, he took some shots, dude. He did, yeah. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, can't feel bad for him. He's dating Megan Fox. Like, he get beat up every day. He'd still be winning <laughs> the game of life, right? So. Um, I think it's like didn't they break up or am I making that up? Maybe some fake news. I don't know. I think they're still together. I think they were at the Super Bowl. Um, but like Sean, why you got to watch the Super Bowl again? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sean Strickland admits it. You know, he's not good around people. That's not his setting, and that's why he tries to kind of stay away from it. I mean, this didn't happen at the Grammys, it happened at, at Power Slap, right? <laughs> kind of like his territory. So I don't know that I could fault him so much. Um, and Machine Gun Kelly didn't he get into it with like Conor McGregor, so who knows? Maybe he's the guy that's got the problem. But uh, luckily, Sean walked away in this instance, and all was good. But then it might come the day where uh, he didn't walk away in the stands, right? Like you just never know. So I guess if people are really like really really concerned about this and really want change, like it, it can only come from Dana White, man. I think that's the only person he'd listen to. It's kind of weird, huh? He dropped Israel out of Sonya in round one, but he couldn't put down Sneeko. All right, Fada, what do you think, man? Uh, is he even on his first nerve? I know he's not on his last nerve, but what do you think? Or, or does Dana White secretly love all this Strickland chaos? I mean, I don't know. Dana seems to really preach uh, freedom of speech, right? So you're going to get a, a lot of chaos. But as Danny said before, as long as it does, it's not legal issues, I think it's fine. Uh, he did pull himself back Uh but, I mean, would I be surprised if later on something happened and it did end up being legal? Because when it's fighters amongst fighters, I guess it's different when it's not the commission and stuff like that uh, getting involved. I think you heard Drake is saying he's, he didn't press charges or whatnot. So, but when you're involving kind of like uh, celebrities or, or, or whatever, it could get out of hand. But uh, who knows? As of now, I think uh, I don't think he's bothering him too much. I think he kind of just brushed it off lately. Crystal Wild in the chat room says, I actually enjoyed watching Sneeko get beat up by Strickland. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, what's Jamaican saying? Jamaican's out there causing a stir. He says, no way, he said, fatherly role. Hmm, I'm not sure what he's talking about. All right. We move on to the additionals. We got some time here. UFC Fight Night 236 main event reaction, guys. Was Jack Hermanson's veteran savvy to come back? Uh, was it that? veteran savvy or was it joe pfeiffer's fumble and his first ufc loss the bigger story coming out of the headliner goes uh, being a headliner like that, that that's just difficult man for any fighter they all kind of have a fumble here and there but jack hermanson's a veteran i think he kind of showed that uh there were there were moments in there where he was taking some really hard shots and to kind of make the adjustments and put things to, together and come back and get a win to me, that was kind of what stood out coming out of that fight. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Joker for sure. He rallied 
lost the first two, came back and won the last three, and there wasn't really any questions about it. Fada, what did you think it was more? Uh, J- J- Jack Hermanson being a veteran and savvy or Pfeiffer too soon? Um, I, I don't want to say uh, use the word fumble because I think Pfeiffer looked good early. So you, ha- you can't look good for, for two rounds and make it seem like you were outclassed or you didn't belong there. But I, it is what goes said. You could tell that Jack Hermanson wasn't going hard in the beginning. He was standing with him. He wasn't desperately shooting for takedowns. He kind of knew it's exactly the way he pictured this would go like, let's get him tired and I'm going to take over eventually. And that's exactly what happened. So I think for Jack Romanson, that's a veteran, a guy who's been in there with a lot of top guys. And he was banking on the fact that Piper was going to slow down, which could have been a risky thing. Cause that was a, an answer that uh, a question that needed answering. And it played out exactly the way he thought. So I didn't think Piper looked bad or anything like that. He kind of sold down, which is what Jack Romanson expected. And that's just a veteran who's seen it all. Mm-hmm. Danny, was it the veteran savvy or was it too soon for Pfeiffer? He fumbled it. I think it was a bit of both. I mean, you look at Hermanson and, and I think his striking looked better than ever. Uh, I, I think he's getting better at this late stage. I, I do think he's improving. Um, and I do think he just had a better strategy and game planning than Pfeiffer. And that's when you go, it was a bit too soon, right? A lot of the times what we find at the elite level uh, sure, you need the skills to win, obviously, but a lot of it is, is strategy. I mean, we're just talking about Volkanovski. You know, it doesn't get more strategic than him. So um, I, I think Pfeiffer lacked, lacked that. You know, he looked good early, but uh, he just had one gear. And once that didn't start, once that started to not work for him, uh, he didn't have a plan B to resort to. And it was all Hermanson from then. So I think it's a bit of both. I think that uh, Hermanson is good. He's clearly getting better enough to promise a, a title run and become champion. I don't know, but certainly he's among the top 10 best fighters at 185 pounds. And Pfeiffer, clearly, by shown in that fight, he's not there yet. Yet. I, that's a key word because he's just 27. So cut him some slack. I do think they give him a bit of a, of a big jump up. I don't have a problem with him headlining in the apex. But I think Hermanson, that fight probably should have been a fight or two down the line. Um, he did take a big jump in, in competition there. But, uh, I, you know, I think Pfeiffer is, is a very good fighter. And, and I think he's going to be top 10 eventually. Um, just give him some time. You just made me think they're all fight nights, whether it's at the Apex or a, a, a city around the world. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. There should be different main event levels for the Apex yes. and then the ones you go to Paris, France with or, mm-hmm. you know, London, England or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Apex is your introduction your, your yeah. introduction to, you know, everything. Right. And I, after that, you kind of start putting them in, in big arenas when they get once they get comfortable in a smaller show like the Apex. Yeah. Those are two different levels there of main eventing a fight night not that they haven't done it before and mixed them up but still takero man 91 says i think it was a tough matchup and a big step up in competition for pfeiffer and jamaican lone animal clears things up he says dude in the top right said dana was doing a father role for strickland that's what i'm talking about get it right jamaican lone animal i didn't just call you jamaican lone human or the haitian lone animal i got it right you're the jamaican lone animal that's danny segura he's been on this show many times he's the host of obama's mma he's a veteran of the sport and i've said his name danny danny a few times so he's not just the dude in the top right put some respect on my man's name i'm just joking man all right let's have some fun here we got time for one more henry cejudo parted ways with his longtime coach and friend eric albaracin uh, the fighters, you know, they change camps, they change coaches all the time. But this one took place on the countdown to the UFC 298 show. 
Was this move fair or foul by Triple C? What do you think, Fada? I mean, I, I, it doesn't surprise me. Coming, so, okay, something tells me they already knew. I don't think this was the first time Captain Eric has heard of this news. The idea of putting it out in the camera is probably something that they... But wasn't it Captain Eric that kind of encouraged Suhudo to go to the cringe route? I don't know. I could be wrong there. But regardless, it seems like they both uh, discussed it prior. They just decided to put it on camera. I mean... It was talked about before that this is a fight that's flying under the ra radar. It is a very high-level fight, uh, Mirab versus Henry Cejudo. And maybe this was that extra added thing that's going to get people uh, talking. But something tells me they probably discussed it in private before. Is it cool to put it out there in camera? <laughs> no, but who knows? I think this is just Cejudo trying to spice things up and getting uh, a talking point to his fight, which is exactly what he did because we're talking about it. Yeah, this is true. What do you think, Danny? Fair or foul, man? He did it on the UFC countdown, the 298 show, whatever it's called. I, I disagree with Farah here. I think that Alvarezin did get sort of, uh, they broke the news on him while filming. If you look at his face, like he was clearly kind of shook. There's actually memes flying around regarding his reaction and his facial expressions to the news. Um, and I, I agree in the, in, in the sense that if they would have done what I believe they didn't do, which is what Ferris said, with, with all due respect, um, I think that's cool. Like, yeah, like, go ahead. That's the way you should do it. You, you tell them, hey, look, I don't think I'm going to work with you. You don't know what the other person's reaction is going to be. You don't want a camera filming them. Uh, and then be like, is it cool if we if we say it on camera, if we announce it on the countdown? That's that's very different. But I, I feel like he did kind of broke the news to him, and, and that kind of took him by surprise. And um, I, he knows he's being filmed, so who knows what his real – honest opinions were um so he kind of has to play it cool uh but yeah he kind of got you know for lack of a better term fired on the spot so um it is uh i think it was a bit foul i think you you pull him aside you you give him the news in private and and, and you break it down differently and it was also just very like abrupt it wasn't i mean there was no build-up to it it's like you know two three words and yeah i mean you're one of them you're out and um yeah it was it was surprising because uh El Barracin has been with him since the wrestling days and um yeah i don't know it's just surprising news you, you'd think these two like would stick it out all the way till the end right Fada, did he sway you or did the dude in the top right is he still wrong <laughs> i don't know i just i find it hard to be with with the captain eric and and Suhudo, based off of history and what we've seen them in front uh, like in front of a camera I'm, i don't know i still think they kind of planned it for the cameras i don't know that's just me all right bottom right what do you think fair or foul <laughs> I think foul, man. Uh, I agree with Danny. If you look at his face, man, I've seen that face before a lot in life, dude. That that seemed like a pretty honest reaction. And regardless of whatever you know, whatever deal you have, if he knew or whatever, it still just kind of seems a little disrespectful because no matter what, whether you agree with the guy at the moment, you think he can't help you, he has helped you. He's helped you get to where you are, and I think you probably deserved a little better than that. Uh, so I don't think it should have been aired, but I do. I don't think he knew going in, but I do think when it was done, they they probably talked to him and said, "Hey, is this something we could put out?" Uh, but uh, yeah, it just wasn't fun to watch, man. Yeah, cringe or not, I I don't think it was staged. And cringe or not, I I just thought it was uncool to someone who's been a huge yeah. part of your life. And I think there's a story. Hopefully, I get this right. But in Sacramento, years ago, uh, Triple C was a little overweight. He was having trouble 
making weight and he wasn't going to fight. And I think they were just going to send him home. And it was around that time where he was almost done with the sport and he credits the captain for bringing him back. And then after that, of course, he became a two time, two divisional champion uh, in the UFC. So yeah, man, I, I don't know. A, I, I like that his approach was honest and straight to the point, you know, but I didn't like it on camera. And then when he probably knew that this was going to be put out, I think I would have said, Hey, cut that out. You know, like this between me and my coach cringe or not this, I don't know. Just don't feel right, but whatever. Those are, those are two dudes that have been together for a long time. I'm pretty sure their friendship is thicker than just this moment, but still, I, I definitely wouldn't have done that. And I'm pretty sure about that story. That was the captain, right? Goes, didn't they share that story once he guided them back. He wanted to quit after not making weight in, uh, in Sacramento. I believe it was when triple C was just like a mid card guy. He wasn't even champ or contender yet. Yeah, look, man. I mean, you know, a lot of people do things for for clicks, but a lot of things just aren't worth it. It's it's a very personal matter, and I think it, it just needs to uh, stay that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people be begging for clicks. Oh, by the way, can you guys like uh, this show, please, and subscribe and hit that little alert button, the bell, because when you hit it, you'll know we're on live. I'm pretty sure that's how Money Moicano wound up in our chat today. But anyway, yeah, no, it's an algorithm thing. That's why you always hear uh, YouTubers and people talk about the like button. That's why I always push it on you guys. How about a round of applause for the panel, man? They were awesome today. Danny Segura, also known as Top Right, goes from MMA Junkie Radio and our international superstar, Fada Hanoon, who got some shout-outs there. I didn't read them, but there were some people in the chat room. Happy to see you back, Fada. Of course, cold coffee glues all this thing together and that cool artwork that you see attached on social media on our website that's by our guy abs of steel kamikaze abby Subhan. it's a great show and again it's every monday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific also on saturday goes and i will be hosting a watch along on mma junkie check it out fada hanun will host a preview show that's at 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific and then goes and i will take over at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific Four free fights. We'll watch them all together, right? But then you got a decision to make. And if you don't want to pay for that pay-per-view, although this one's pretty stacked, got to give them their shout-outs. If you don't want to do it, we'll watch along with you, but we'll tell you what's happening in real time so you can just stay with us for uh, the main card, which is a pay-per-view. All right, and we'll talk about all this when we see you next week, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Spinning Back Click. Go out and be a champion. Peace.